Welcome to the Win Daily Show. I got Max Garofalo. Let me get this right. Nailed it. Max Garofalo from the Players Tribune. Max, how are you doing this morning? Doing great. Thank you for having me, Jason. Excited so about bo- this. We're both quarantined up in New York City. Um, Max works at the Players Tribune. Now, my first question I usually ask people, um, you've got a pretty long career. You know, you're involved in sports. What was the first decision you made whether it was in high school or in college or out of college, that's, that led you down this path to put you at the Players' Tribune? Like, was it, I got to work in sports? What decision did you make that kind of put you in the spot you're in now? That's a good question. Um, I feel like the minute I chose my major almost, you know, I chose communications, but I knew I was going to focus on advertising. And, and believe it or not, when I thought about advertising, I never knew the world I ended up getting into which was essentially at first like buying and selling media. Like it was like the, the sponsorships on TV and really at its most basic form, uh, commercial inventory. I didn't even realize like that was a job. Um, so at first I got into it thinking I was going to like help with the ideas for commercials because I love a good funny commercial or a- any type of commercial really. I-, I thought I could see myself doing that. But then I just ended up buying and selling commercial inventory and like one thing led to the next and I ended up, yeah, here at, at Minute Media and the Players Tribune. So how is it at the Players' Tribune? It's always kind of like it popped up on the scene when, when Derek Jeter kind of came up with it. I don't know if it was his idea or whatever the case may be, but what's the atmosphere at the Players' Tribune? Is it like there's athletes rolling around all the time, or is it, you know, just hard workers kind of putting pieces together? What is the atmosphere there? Um, so, yeah, so it was Derek's idea, and he was the co-founder with Jamie Messler, who is the CMO of XL Sports at the time. Um, so the two of them, it was their mind child, and then they made it happen. And um, I haven't been around from the start, and it's been ever-changing. But what I understand is it was a group of just a few people that wanted to see um, if they could make this happen and if, and if it could be like a real thing that benefited both athletes and fans. So the idea, of course, was athletes, um, you know, had a fractured relationship to, with, with the um, general media sometimes because – their words oftentimes get taken out of context. Um, you know, we live in a world of clickbait and sensational headlines and athletes have these great stories to tell, but maybe sometimes when they're in an interview, they clam up because they're afraid of how the story might come out because they lose control of the story. Um, so uh, it, it started working, you know, like from right, right off the jump. Um, uh, the, the late Kobe Bryant um, put out his, his poem, Dear Basketball, to, to retire. Um, and then that turned into a digital short, which ended up winning an Oscar, um, Kevin Durant, you know, announcing that he was, um, you know, setting the record straight about him going to Golden State, which was, you know, everyone had their take on it. Um, and then, you know, athletes really enjoyed building their brand and talking about all the things that they love outside of sport too, whether it be entertainment, culture, music, cooking, you name it. So yeah, it did start to blow up. Um, some stories went more viral, viral than others. Um, when I got into the company, there were about a hundred people there. Um, that was three years ago at this point. Um, and we just started really monetizing at first. I think it was, uh, create a brand, you know, get fans interested, uh, get athletes believing to draw that connection. And then it was, we got to keep the lights on. So when I got in there, um, you know, yeah, it was a lot of hard workers. No, there weren't athletes swinging from the ceilings. Um, but a lot were coming in and I definitely was turning my head a lot. when I saw some big names walking through the door, uh, which was exciting. But uh, yeah, we, we focused on trying to pair uh, 
brands with athletes in an authentic way. So branded content was really blowing up. Um, and we were able to make some cool connections between brands and athletes where we were able to kind of tell a story that the athlete already had to tell, but they were telling the brand's message at the same time. Um, so that's been working. And then uh, most recently, we got acquired by Minute Media, which is a, a big holding company. It's a tech, uh, tech and media company. We have seven other publishers we work with now, um, a whole bunch of other publishers that uh, use our video player and content uh, management system. So it, it gives us the opportunity to put our stories out in front of way more people. Our reach just went from not so much to reaching hundreds of millions of people. So it's been great. No, it's a great, great concept, great idea, because, you know, ESPN started doing these 30 for 30s and 60, you know, these 60 minute shorts, whatever the case may be, these documentaries come out. Um, and you see a side, like from Kobe's perspective, I never, until I watched Muse about three or four years ago, five years ago, I don't know how long ago, that documentary he did, I never really knew the player behind the player. You know, you saw the trash talking on the court where it kind of looked off like media played it up. He didn't have the most, you know, checkered past with certain incidents. And you never really saw the man behind the man. And then you saw Muse, or at least I saw Muse. I'm like, there's nobody that I know who worked as hard as him. So my level of respect went from here to here. But it took him to put this all out on his own to get his message out. So now with, you know, what you guys are doing at the Players' Tribune, it was a great idea because the real stories are never really said. It's whatever a mic got in front of somebody's face. And they're usually, like you said, trying to bait them to say something that's just going to be a headline that will be controversial rather than realizing that these people are people. They have real lives. They have real interests. And that's what I'd rather know. I'd rather know not the, the question that everybody wants to ask them, but that question that nobody asked them because nobody knows to ask them that question. And it's a, it's a great concept. And, you know, I like to see it. You know, I like to see, and I think from a brand perspective, it connects people with the right brands rather than just connect a dollar to the people. And hopefully you have that authentic, um, you know, that brand partnership that people can really endorse and get behind. So I think it's a perfect connection between the athletes and media that's not forced. Um, and, you know, hopefully more brand loyalty for your, for the brands that they represent. And then these athletes are more comfortable opening up. So it's a home run in my book. Now with you personally, Max, how did you get your start in sports? Like, how did you decide this was the move I got to make because sports is my passion? Well, I always played sports and I've always wanted to be associated with something that like does good for the world. You know, I mean, I think we all want to do that. We all want to make a, a positive impact. I think sports definitely does that. It unites people. I learned an awful lot from playing sports. I wasn't very good at it. I, I played, you know, pickup basketball. I played lacrosse through high school. Um, I played in college, um, just at a, a D3 school. Um, so I learned a lot from being on a team. And then my, you know, when I got out of college, it was 2009. It was, it was slim pickings in terms of jobs. Um, I ended up getting my first job at a TV rep company so I wasn't working in sports off the bat. Um, I worked there for under a year and uh, it was an older school company. And um, I was working on like low money, um, buying and selling of, of uh, commercials. And um, it wasn't the easiest time. And a friend of mine reached out who was working at Fox and had just moved over to Home Team Sports, which is a division of Fox Sports. Long story short, what they do is they aggregate all the regional sports networks. So whether it's MSG and the Knicks in New York, 
um, or it's Fox Sports Southwest um, with the Dallas Mavericks. It aggregates every single one of those um, regional sports networks that's got the lion's share of NBA, NHL, and MLB, and we sell it as a national offering. Um, so you could say, you know, you go up the light up against the likes of an ESPN who has the game of the week, and you say, hey, that's great. You know, it's highly rated. It's a national game. But, you know, we can put your brand in front of the home team fan in every single market, more of a balanced delivery. Um, there's more games, right? So, um, so that's how I got involved. I started off as a, a coordinator, which is an assistant essentially at home team sports and learned how to manage accounts. And then, you know, there was like um, a good system there of how to move up. Um, where when you get the hang of that, then you're a planner and you can help to manage the coordinator and you work closer with the salesperson. And then once they feel like you've got that under your belt and maybe they let you run with a couple accounts, and then I ended up in sales. And then, uh, yeah, so it was all, all just stepping stones. But that my first way into sports um, after playing them was going to home team sports. Yeah, it's, that's a tough thing. I always kind of like when I got out of college, I, I wanted my first love was baseball. My first love was sports competition. But a lot of times the entry level sports gigs aren't the most appetizing sports gigs out there, you know, so you got to really work your way up have the connection. So what would be your advice to somebody who really wanted to get involved in sports out of high school, out of college? What do they do to, to, to move up or, or find that first opportunity that will allow them because they're not going to be doing it for the money unless you get a, a handout from somebody who's really, really nice. Right. So what's your advice to somebody coming out of college who wants to stick with sports, but also, you know, wants a, a nice lifestyle to go along with it, you know, in the future? It's funny that you say that because I, I remember a meme um, that's fresh in my mind that was like, what my friends think I'm doing. And it's like Donald Draper holding like a martini glass uh, or, you know, it's you on the sidelines with a headset of a professional yeah. game. But then what you're really doing and it's just like a picture of like, you know, your cubicle and an exit grid, <laughs> um, which is like the, yeah, it's the truth of the matter unless you know somebody um, on your way in. What I would say is... Um, you know, everyone's going to have to put in the work, right? You got to earn your stripes. I think that's still a thing. Um, I know it's an old school term, um, but at least understand like where you want to be. Like you don't want to be working and doing something um, monotonous or grueling um, and, and that it's not a means to an end. So I think you definitely want to understand what the path is at a certain place. Um, if, if you know that you're going to have to put in some grunt work for a year or so. So yeah, be ready to put in work. Um, understand, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with asking about progression and like, you know, where could I be in five years if I start doing this task now? Um, I also think that the idea of, of when you're getting into something, um, jumping around to different companies and getting a different perspective on how the whole industry works, I think would be really smart. I didn't do that, but I've been envious of people that I've seen who did. You know, um, I've always been on the sales side. I think you could also work on the buying side or the strategy side. I think you could work at a brand. You could work at a team or at a league. You could work at one of the sports marketing agencies. So I think to, to jump around a little bit, it, does, it doesn't have to be lateral. I think you could still make vertical and lateral moves at the same time. But I think to jump around the industry a little bit will help you understand what you like. And I think that if you get a better sense from that of the bigger picture, you're gonna ultimately do it way more successful in this industry and in your career. You know, I like that idea. And plus you learn different traits too. You kind of learn through what you, what you actually like and what you excel at. Do you like being the point guard? Do you like being the, the guy off the bench? Whatever the case may be at your job. Now at the Players' Tribune, I'm assuming it's a little bit different atmosphere at, than you were at Fox. 
how is it different working directly with athletes like on a project you get like a different sense of all right i gotta step my game up now i got this big athlete rolling in how does that change things and the dynamic of the relationship you have that is a good question um it definitely you know i've been on shoots and my first couple of shoots um you know had the opportunity to jump in like you know the director might kindly or producer might kindly look over to me at the end of an interview and say hey like did i miss anything do you want to add anything um you've got to treat them like normal people which of course they are people but it you know you do uh get that adrenaline rush and get super nervous um or at least i did uh and still do um so just reminding yourself that you're a professional and doing your job and like and focusing on the job at hand has been helpful to overcome that um and does that answer the question yeah yeah to some extent yeah it's it's Definitely a different dynamic, man. It's but at the same time, I believe what you said. You got a job to do, and these are you know they don't want to be treated differently. They want to be their best, so they you know they don't want you to sugarcoat stuff to say, hey, oh, you did good, and then they watch themselves on film a, a week later and they look like a zombie on TV because nobody wanted to say anything to them. So that definitely answers uh, the question. That's a good point too. That it's it's a good point. Um, and I think that the role, to that point, I think the role of our editors and producers can definitely be even more difficult. Um, you know, the role that I play um, a lot of the time is learning what a brand is all about. You know, learning what sports they care about, learning who they're trying to reach, and then working with my greater team to develop a proposal for a brand where we can team them up with athletes and tell their story and, and hopefully a really unexpected way that fans are really going to like. Um, so at the point that I get in touch with the athlete, a lot of the times we've already, you know, based on the relationships that my athlete relations team has and the knowledge that they have, we already kind of have the right person for the job. Um, so yeah, the, the challenge that you're referencing is definitely, I'm, I'm sure there at points. I, I luckily, fortunately don't always have to be the one on the front line. On that, so when it on comes that, down to a brand, like when a brand, you know, contacts, you know, the Tribune says, hey, we have this brand. Do you, do you know right away or do you like, all right, this is the guy or this is the girl for that brand? How do you do that pairing? Are they asking specifically, we want KD or we want Jeter or whoever the case may be? How do you make that? Is it like a casting call? Like you call on these athletes and like, all right, this is the guy or girl for this, this company? Sometimes, um, so the more I've worked here, and the more athletes that I've had a chance to work with and get to know, um, the more that as a brand is talking or as an idea comes to mind, I'm like, oh man, so-and-so would be perfect for this. Um, and then, you know, it depends on their willingness, um, their availability, um, anything that might prohibit them. Maybe it's another brand partnership that's already in place, or maybe it's a category that they're not allowed to work in. So there's a lot of little odds and ends that come up there. Um, the thing is, like, to be a sustainable business model, we can't exactly, you know, on the front side, like, promise an athlete along with the concept, just because of some of the aforementioned. Um, so it's, it's challenging, um, whereas we try to show a couple of athletes that we think, and, and also, you don't want to go out to athletes and say, um, hey, would you want to do this before the deal is, is uh, in hand? because we wouldn't want to disappoint somebody who gets fired up about a potential partnership. And then we don't end up closing the deal with the brand. And then like that could damage our relationship with the athlete. So um, chicken or the egg or the egg uh, kind of applies here. 
So what we try to do is we try to come up with a concept, make sure that there's at least a, a net that we can cast where there's a good amount of athletes who would fit the bill of what we're looking for and possibly be available. Um, then we'll show some examples and we'll say, hey, these are just for example purposes to the brand. And then if they buy into that, at that point, we will put a bigger list together and we'll start and then they can let us know who they would want to work with. And then we start reaching out to athlete teams. And that's where it really gets exciting um, when, you know, it's like this, it started off with an idea and like a little conference room and then it gets agreed to. And then next thing you know, the athlete signs on and then we're making it happen. And then that, you know, the final product when we can actually push the videos out or the podcast or whatever it might be, the, the written story out, um, throw the event and uh and see the fans react and then see how the athletes react to the fans reaction it's when it all comes together it's a beautiful thing what's been the best pairing that you've kind of put together and are you guys i follow enough but i don't i don't know the inner workings is it more a product or do you guys more promote an idea or an event or something going on in the news world um it's all over the map depending on i think we have a lot of opportunity so, um, you know, maybe some verticals we've ended up working with uh, more so than others. I think product has been harder because, um, and, and we have made some commercials, don't get me wrong. We do a lot of different stuff. In the past, we've done a lot of branded content. As we got acquired by Minute Media, um, our opportunity based on the reach, based on, you know, more financial backing, you know, has opened up even tenfold. And we're still exploring what all those opportunities look like. Um, but looking at a lot of the branded content we've done, branded content isn't supposed to look so like in your face from the brand. It's supposed to leverage the voice of the publisher or the voice of the network and be a less like in your face way for the brand to advertise a little more upper funnel so that they just are more aware of the brand, like the brand more so that when they see that ad, you know, a month down the road, they're more welcoming to it and more likely to purchase. It's like a way to help them down the funnel. So to that point, product forward has been a little tougher we find it i think easier in general when it's more of like a message um but we've done both and then also when you when you talk about verticals it's like on one hand uh one great pairing i think was with uh quentin richardson to help to promote the shy you know now i think they're in season three from showtime but okay. they wanted to promote in an authentic way um season one the premiere and we have this really um, kind of famous at this point um, series that we do franchise called Letter to My Younger Self, which is a reflective piece. So we we're like, you know, why reinvent the wheel here? Let's lean into something that we're already known for. And Quentin Richardson wrote a letter to his younger self about what it was like growing up in Southside Chicago. Um, and if you haven't read that piece yet, it is incredible. He has an incredible life story. And uh, that went amazingly. Um, you know, so many NBA athletes, you know, when you talk about earned media, which is something that um, is, a, is a big benefit sometimes uh, when working with us, a ton of NBA athletes were all retweeting and reposting that story and commenting on it emphatically. And that was great. But was also a great benefit was, you know, Q started working with us more after that um, and now helps to lead a podcast that I know we were talking about before, before our interview. Um, that's, you know, great for everybody. He loves it. D Miles loves it. All the fans love it. The brand loves it. So, so that's been great. So that was a great pairing. But now Flip, and that was TuneIn, but Flip to another category now, Snickers, it's a product, but they had the brand message of you're not you when you're hungry. So we, for a couple of years straight, were telling that story and what I felt were, uh, were pretty cool different ways. Um, so, you know, product, but they still have the message 
Um, that, and that was what we really focused on more so than the guys like eating the, eating the Snickers bar. No, it's smart. Like you don't want to force things. And I kind of understand the model a little bit better now, you know, from talking to you, it's more, you know, leading them down that funnel, giving them an authentic story and letting them connect the dots a little bit more than just here it is. Bye, 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 bye. That doesn't really work in this age. Um, the bye, bye, bye stuff. So I agree to that. Now everybody's looking for content right now. Like content is king and even more so now with, you know, the fact that we're all on quarantine, especially us in New York, but the entire country, the entire world, how has things changed from a, a content perspective? Like, did everybody huddle up? I know I huddled up with my guys. Like, listen, we're going to push even harder now. We're going to pivot a little bit to esports, but we're going to also pivot to create more original content. What has the Players' Tribune, you know, at the end of the day, you're a content team. Did you push more stuff out that was – you know, going to get released in the summer and say, you know what, we got to get this out now. There's so many eyes out there looking for content. And how has your personal goals changed? And what have you seen from the market itself, from a marketing perspective? And how are you guys going to, you personally, the team going to kind of change the plan and pivot during these crucial times? Yeah, I mean, it is, uh, it's a heck of a time to be alive right now for all of us. Um, and his business and all businesses, I'm sure, you know, of course, of course, I have the closest look at this industry, um, you know, sports, media, advertising. So we have had to pivot as everyone has, we pivoted in some of the same ways you have, um, you know, we have double tap is one of our own and operated publishers and that's, um, in the gaming space. Um, and we're seeing a huge increase in a, we're seeing a huge increase in people playing video games. Yep. Twitch is seeing a huge increase in streams. Um, you know, our platform, our gaming platform, whether it's our own and operated or even the gaming sites that, that we are our partner sites that we advertise on and, and that we also push out content on. Um, we're, we're seeing a huge increase in traffic. So of course we're leaning in there for sure. Um, we're seeing an increase in people caring about mental health and, um, you know, health and wellness in general, you know, that's on the, I think the forefront of everyone's mind. So we want to put out content that, um, I guess that satisfies that need and that craving and, and helps people. So we developed a series called the ISO. Um, I think that's a cool playoff for like sports with ISO and then also like the isolation that we're all in. Um, and I think that's been daily. So every day we've put out a piece, it's almost like a, a, a journal, a diary, if you will, of, um, you know, each player that we work with talking about what life is like and just getting their feelings out there. Um, there's been some issues I think that we've addressed as it relates to everything going on. Um, Jeremy Lin put out a piece um, having to do with uh, xenophobia and, you know, some of the negative feelings and the way some, some folks are being treated based on um, how they might be associated, right? It's like crazy things that, that how people act in times like these. But I think helping, helping to tell a positive story there. Um, there was a story that we put out um, with a player down uh, who grew up in Miami um, that was a, kind of a viral piece. And he talked about like, you know, Miami was getting a lot of shade or Florida was getting a lot of shade. I think there were some viral stories of, of yeah. kids on spring break. Yeah, and that. he spoke, yeah, uh, well, he spoke <laughs> out on that. Um, and that was a pretty moving piece because he talked about what was I think he referred to as like the real Miami and about all the the issues that they are and and like um those issues that are highlighted or uh compounded 
by the fact that kids can't go to school because a lot of kids were counting on that meal that they were going to get at school. Or maybe a lot of kids situations at home were really dangerous. Um, and being at school is a safe place and a, and a positive place to be. Um, so that's some of the things that we've been doing from a content output standpoint. Um, some of those verticals like gaming, like health and wellness as a salesperson, we're trying to show brands how they can put their messaging around programming like that. Um, and then also like just with, with like how we're producing content and how we're publishing it is just different, right? Like, um, I don't want to say production quality because I don't want it to sound negative if what we're doing is a lot of selfie videos, but it's, you know, we're limited a little bit more to, you know, look, we're looking at selfie videos. We're looking at IG live. We're doing a lot more written, you know, podcasts, of course, works. We're, we're looking at, um, at potentially using more animation, which takes time, but you can still do, you know, around the limitations that we have with travel and not being able to get with athletes in person. Yeah. Um, All so, good ideas. Yeah. Man. Yeah. All so those ideas. are the some of the ideas we're kicking around, we're trying to listen a lot. You know, a lot of it is just hearing brands out, like what, what's going on with you guys? Um, how are you reacting? So, you know, some brands wanted to pause and then you see them, you see a lot of commercials out, new commercials that are clearly were just cut um, yep. and, and are talking about the times um, or talking about how they've pivoted their offer. And then, you know, some brands, their product isn't really accessible right now. So they've gone dark. Yep. So like my goals have changed in the short and long term, and you know, my business is affected. Some, some brands like need to pull dollars off the table, pull back investments, um, you know, some stuff, like you said, you know, would we move up the publish of some things? Yeah, some things we definitely would, but some things were that we were planning or had were most relevant to maybe an event that got canceled or postponed. Yeah. So a lot, a lot of factors, and we're trying to work through them one by one, but we're trying to listen to, we're trying to touch base with all of our brand partners, learn what their position is, and then figure out how we can best help them. And then I'm trying to stay in touch on the other side of my editorial team to see what they're doing. So when I can learn from both sides, can connect the dots, give feedback both ways. And I, I think that's the role that I kind of play. Yeah, there's a lot of pivoting um, to do. Um, when you mentioned the ISO, that whole idea, I was thinking you talk about mental health. I was just the first thing that popped in my head. I don't know, I'm kind of creative at times. I was thinking, get one of these, like, get two of these like 300 pound linemen teaching a yoga class every morning. Like something funny like that, creative like that. There's, there's so much you can do creatively that, you know, people love their athletes and we miss our athletes right now. Like I'm getting hyped up tonight for a, a, an NFL draft, which I never really got that hyped up for before. I'm getting hyped up on Sundays for the last dance because that's what we have. You know, I'm playing and gambling on eSports, but I'm, I was never a big gamer outside of college, which was, you know, 15 years ago. Um, but these athletes got great stories. You know, my advice, you know, to your team and everybody out there is just focus on branding, focus on content creation, and then worry about the monetization when we all get our lives back. Because hopefully, you know, in a couple of months, it'll be there. And, you know, if you're remembered as the team that put out all this great content over the past couple of months and had these funny things, then, you know, brands will come, you know, come looking for you guys and connect with you guys and you know things will happen off of that it's all about content right now because nobody has sports content authentic sports content right now so you know in the twitter sphere that i'm in and around my team and our community we're all looking for our athletes right now so like anything that you can do to bring the athletes out front and i'm sure you know athletes have more energy than me and you combined because 
they're used to running around on the court or in the field. They got to get it out. And nobody – it's the best time for them to share their story as well. Like, I was speaking to uh, Ashley Neville, who's an NBA reporter the other day. I'm like, just contact them all. I'm, I'm sure they got a story to say. They're cooped up in their house just like us. Get those stories out. This is their time to kind of speak not about how they went, you know – five for 20 from three in the last two games. Now they can actually talk about whether it's their family, whether it's something that they're working on creatively. Cause I know some of these athletes are, they like to sing or they like to produce art or whatever the case may be, get those yep. stories out because those are the, those are the good stories at this time. Maybe that, that um, connection between media and the athlete can kind of be, you know, better because it's fractured because, a lot of these, uh, I'm sure that's one of the reasons why Derek came up with the idea because the media is harsh sometimes, man. If you can paint a better light and get that relationship better during these times where everybody's suffering, I think that'd be a, a huge move for any company, you know, whether it's a Players Tribune or any company out there. So, you know, people want authentic content for sports. And if you can deliver that, that'd be amazing for all of us. Yeah, I agree. There, there's a lot of wins. Um you know, athletes are influencers too. When you think about it, they're influential and, and they set a positive example. So just to, to share uplifting stories, or like you said, they're energetic and they're doing fun things at home. You know, maybe that gives an idea to a fan of what they can be doing at home and just hearing from people feels good. And, and like you said, you know, it's not a, a focus on monetization and making money. I don't think anyone's getting rich right now. It, it doesn't mean we can't make money. The economy needs to keep going. That, that's yep. good. But like my, my dad always said, uh, you know, if you put in the work, the grades will come, right? It doesn't have to be altruistic is what I'm trying to say. Yep. We, you could do the right thing now. You can do things that help everyone. And then in the, at the end of the day, it, it's going to help yourself even from a money-making standpoint, whether it's now or down the road. Like it doesn't make it bad <laughs> if, if you also are, are trying to make money. Um, but uh, yeah, I agree with all that. And I think that's something that we're going to continue to try to do. Yeah, bring is, is MTV cribs back, man. Like remember MTV Cribs, like bring athlete cribs back where, especially now in quarantine, man, they're walking around bored as hell. So just bring MT. I would love to see, you know, like we were talking about off air, like I would love to see the parody of Tom Brady moving into Derek Jeter's house. Like, I think you bring that back, like, or just do a parody how Brady's dishwasher breaks and Jeter has to come over with his tool belt and fix it. Like, there's so many good ideas there. Gronkowski's now going to Tampa. You know, and just MTV Cribs was something fun we used to watch as a kid. At least I used to watch it. See these different, you know, palatial estates and all the stuff, the gadgets they had in their house. Right now, they're stuck in their house. It's like you don't have to even produce anything. Just have them walk around the cell phone. Hey, this is my daughter. This is my dog. This is my hoop. Um, I'm Giannis, and I don't have a hoop in my house somehow. You know, I don't know if you heard that story, but I was shocked when I heard that him and Chris Middleton don't have a basketball hoop at their house. They're fighting for, you know, the ring. They're in the first seed. And now have they really not shot a basketball for the past two months? I was shocked when I heard that. But, yeah, there's so many cool things that, you know, teams like you with access to these athletes can really do at this point. Yeah, no, I completely agree. We had um, a pretty popular series called House Guest with Nate Robinson. I think it even went international. We had an international version. There were two seasons of it. But Nate Robinson was jumping around just like MTV Crib style, you know, with uh, musicians and artists and NBA players and other, other athletes. It was really fun. And we, I think we could definitely do it, uh, you know, without a host, with a host virtually. Um, 
it's been, you know, even like during the horse match that was on ESPN, like I feel like a lot of the commentary in my house was like with their courts at home, like what they look yeah. like and what their houses look like. And then even like as we're all doing our Zoom calls, like that's one of the major differences too. You know, uh, when I was at the office, it was like, it felt like it was always either you're on the phone or you're in person. I like never did a Zoom call. Yeah. Uh, and now it's like all Zoom calls pretty much, all, all FaceTimes or uh, Google Hangouts. And like, yeah, half the commentary and half the interesting thing is just seeing all the different rooms that are in people's houses. They're walking around, seeing their kids. I, I definitely think like people would love to see that from athletes. Um, so yeah, hopefully we do see more of that. And we've, we've had some like, not that idea, similar fun ideas like that, not to give too much away that maybe hopefully are on the yeah. horizon. Yeah, hopefully pull it off. That's the one thing I like about the draft. Like I was, I'm actually interested to see like one of these coaches like throw their computer because <laughs> yeah. the Wi-Fi goes off or like, think he's off the call and like curse at one of his assistants because they didn't get the, the the prep done or somebody some other team sniped their pick and got the pick it's like we all did season-long drafts at home and we're all upset at times and things go wrong and we get nervous on the clock like imagine now oh, yeah. you're making oh yeah million dollar decisions and yep. there's there's definitely shit that's gonna go wrong tonight like i'm really yes. interested to see like what really goes down tonight i want to see like andy reed and bill Bill Belichick, like, doing weird things on camera. Like, I was joking yep. around with my friend the other day. I'm like, how funny would it be to see Bill Belichick with, like, a cat in his lap just, like, drafting, like, the evil villain, like, just, like, drafting. There's so many cool stories that hopefully we get to see inside the the houses and the minds and the, the lifestyles because they're really guarded, these coaches, and these athletes sometimes are guarded, too. Now they, they have to unveil it all. Yeah. Um, this is, like, must-watch TV. Definitely. For sure. I, I think I can't see this not being really highly rated. I think we've seen some experimenting between horse, between WrestleMania, um, you know, a hand, like the last dance, right? Last yeah. dance was like wildly successful from a rating standpoint. I, I got to think more so than it would have been. I mean, no matter what, I think it would have gotten a lot of eyeballs, but got to have done better based on everything going on. Um, and yeah, some experiments seem to have not done so well. WrestleMania got huge numbers. I've got, I've got high hopes here. Um, some of the funny circumstances that you're talking about too. Like, I wonder if, I wonder if anyone will have fun with it proactively like, on purpose, you know, like people will be funny without even trying to be, yeah. but like, I wonder if it will be funny, like, cause they are trying and, and having fun with it. Um, and like to that point, like you hear rumors, like, will they put in uh, booze? Like, will, will they send booze into the broadcast? Because, you know, people are usually booing when, yeah. when Goodell goes up there to give the announcement. Um, this should be interesting for sure. So, yeah, yeah I'm looking Someone should be rocking, like, some pajamas. Like, just funny. There's so many funny things that you could play up that, I don't know, just be, just be funny, man. There's so many different ways. Like, I, like you said, I hope, I hope they do some authentic stuff. I also hope some people get funny with that. I think the athletes probably get a little bit more funny than the coaching staffs, but you never know. So, last question I got for you, and I'll let you go. Um, you know, win daily is not just daily fantasy sports. You know, I wrote a book. I have a mindset that every day you need to get a victory. And, you know, one way, if it's small, big, medium size, or even a loss that you can learn from to kind of just get your day going and see the positives and everything. So, like, what would you consider the mindset that you kind of carry with you that's helped you be become so successful you know, work your way to a great spot at the Players' Tribune. Like, what do you do consistently every day that puts you in a great spot to win? Um, I noticed you had a book. I bought it last night. I look forward to it. It's coming through Amazon. 
I'm, nice. I'm looking forward to reading it. I don't know much about daily fantasy, so and I know that it um, you know relates to winning in life too. And I saw the review, a lot of positive reviews. Congratulations on on the success of the book. Thanks, man. Um, and no coincidence that your uh, website is Win Daily, right? Because yep. uh, you named the book Win Daily. Um, yep. So. What I do on a daily basis, I, I think in general, maybe not daily, because I can't say I challenge myself daily, but I, I think doing things that are outside my comfort zone, like even this, you know, like I was surprised and, and, and appreciate you guys getting outside of daily fantasy. And I, I, I heard you interview um, the reporter that you're referring to the other day, the young lady. Um, I heard part of that podcast. That was great. Um, I heard you uh, interviewing uh, Vayner uh, Chuck the other day. That was yep. You know, so I see you getting out of your comfort zone there um, and, and it, interviewing some people around the industry. So I appreciate you reaching out to me, but I, you know, not a lot of people are always interested in, in my life or my career. Um, so at first I was a little nervous to say yes to it. So, so something like this, I'd say for sure, like saying yes to opportunities um, that might yeah, put you outside of your comfort zone and, and be challenging yourself has been huge from like a macro. On a daily, I think what's helped me is, is a couple things. Um, I don't always put them in practice, but I try. Um, I think like at first I always had this idea that it's just about working hard, grinding every day. You know, I could find myself working from the moment I got to work and I wouldn't get home until like midnight, like a, a lot of times when I was back at Fox sports. And then I realized, I think I was doing a disservice to myself, um, in the way that I was like living in this bubble, you know, and not on, and, and just doing tasks and not understanding, you know, referring back to what I was talking about, about getting into your career and trying different things out, not understanding the greater sports industry or you know as it has to do with just like sports world in general so like every morning i try to listen to boomer and geo you know it's it's new york sports focus but it's also like the world of sports in general i try to listen and and hear up the news so I'll, I'll read the wall street journal i understand you know I don't, I don't find that to be very biased i think it's kind of down the middle i understand it's fox owned but then on the flip side i try to listen to the daily afterwards new york times so i get like two different news perspectives I try to read synopsis sports and understand what's happening actually in my industry. Um, and then I try to read. Reading is probably one of the things I don't read for pleasure uh, often. So I also try to read a book, you know, like every day. That's one thing I will admit, like I don't do. But that I think if, if you were to do that every day, I really think that would help you to win. And then another thing, which is very small, but I really don't think a lot of people do it. And I, and I try is just preparing for every meeting. And, and it doesn't have to be like a ton of preparation. but I felt so much better coming off of meetings and felt like they were more productive for all parties involved. If I just or took a minute just to organize thoughts, you know, I think everyone ends up being in these back to back to back to back. You know, if you know you're going to be in three meetings back to back, maybe spend a half an hour to think through each of the three. And what are a couple of thought starters I have? What are a couple questions that I might ask? What are the, and write them down, you know, and, and what is the, like the things I must have coming off of this meeting? Because I feel like the first 15 minutes, a lot of the time, you know, people are just reading the email that got them to that meeting or reading the yeah. brief or like, yeah, really not having an understanding or, or you, you know, someone spends the time just talking about why we're here. And then you end up talking about that thing for 10 minutes, you get nowhere. But if you, you know, if you do some of those things beforehand, I feel like it helps to guide a conversation. And then if you refer to that, what did I need before I leave? You don't end up going on a tangent and then parting because they have to go to the next meeting and you didn't get that thing done. It's like, whoa, 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 before we go, like, can we at least make a decision on this? Um, so those are two things I try to apply every day, every day that I think have helped, you know, get me to this point and hopefully help me to keep growing. 
Oh, some great points, man. Like, I didn't know, like, you took this interview not knowing much about me. I took this interview not knowing much about you, but I wanted to know more about you and, and your journey. And just by those last couple of statements, I, I got a good read on who you are and why you've been so successful because you consume a lot of information, a lot of content daily. Um, one suggestion I have that's helped me with this reading book fiasco because uh, I like to read too, but reading is tough. You have a child, I have a child. I just listen to Audible. Like I have a commute, 30, 40 minutes, man. Audible is a godsend. It's through Amazon. It's like 10 bucks a month. Each day, each month they give you one credit for free, which is part of your subscription. And then it forces you to get through that book because you accumulate these credits. So you get through those books a lot quicker. And now I just, I tuned out the radio for the most part. I don't need to hear the same songs over and over again. So I just, consume a book and there's a lot of great ones out there and just keep on doing it. And another point to your point, comfort zone. Um, I had no passion to write a book, man. Zero. Writing was my least favorite subject in school, in, in school. I still hate it to this day, even though I, I write articles um, for the site a lot. It's not something I'm really passionate about, but stepping out of your comfort zone is when you get your biggest accomplishments. I kept on hearing a lot of influencers like a Gary V or David Meltzer, a lot of people that I surround myself and consume their content. They're like, your biggest accomplishments come when you step out of your comfort zone. So do something that you don't want to do or, or don't feel like you're that good at. And that's, you know, I didn't know where I was going to go after the book. I just said, all right, screw it. My wife actually challenged me and said, why don't you write a book about all these different fantasy sport things that you've done in the past and stuff you learned. And I did it not knowing that it would lead to here. I just did it and said, all right, let's put it out there in the universe and see what happens. So definitely agree to both of those. And I'm not, see, I'm not in corporate world too much yet, but I hear a lot of people in corporate world. And the one thing they hate the most is meetings. And I think because a lot of people who step into those meetings, probably, like you said, are very unprepared. They all go into it, not really knowing and knowing they have to go somewhere else. It's just like another hour where 50 minutes of the hour just wasted because nobody's really prepared. But I think you made a good point there. If, if everybody can at least prepare a little bit, you could probably cut out the nonsense for 20, 30 minutes and get to the actual point of the meeting, which was this objective. So great points there, man. And I'm excited, man. I really think that what the Players' Tribune will, will be doing in the future, um, what you guys have the, the advantage of right now with all these athletes at home, you know, I, I'm assuming some great content's on the way. I know you can't share everything, but I'm, I'm excited to see all that. I'm, I'm excited to see what you're doing in the future. You know, I think you're really smart, intelligent, and you're going to keep on going places, man. And, and I wish you the best. And hopefully we get our lives back in New York City and New York, you know, really soon. And we get our, our real sports back. But for the time being, you know, stay positive, keep doing your thing. And, you know, hopefully we can work together in the future, man. Yeah, um, yeah, I appreciate all the feedback. Uh, we'll definitely take the audible advice. I've heard of it before, and then it just like falls off my radar. I will actually do it. Um, you know, encourage to keep, like you said, out of the comfort zone, like just seeing the success you've seen and everything you've built from, you know, what was a big first step of writing that book. Um, just, you know, t just it reinforces that that's the right thing to do. Um, and yeah, to totally agree. Uh, it was great to meet you. Appreciate you having me on. Um, and uh, when we are back to normal, and hopefully it looks a lot like what the old normal looked like, um, <laughs> definitely look forward to meeting you in person and, and spending more time together.
Yeah, I'm gonna stop by. Where can everybody follow you? Are you are you on social on Twitter or, or is LinkedIn or IG? Where can everybody follow you? LinkedIn is probably the best. If anyone had any interest, I do post some of our brand and content stuff. If anyone's interested in, in that type of thing, and I, I post some of the stories uh, that I really like coming out of the Players Tribune or coming out of our Minute Media family. Um, yeah, LinkedIn would would be the best way. Um, Everybody's sleeping on LinkedIn, man. Don't feel bad, man. We, we have families, we have kids, man. LinkedIn, like. I think it's the untapped resource because not so many people are wasting time there. You know, they're actually putting real thoughts together. It's not a selfie. It's somebody doing something at work, which is relative. Like our lives revolve around work. Why LinkedIn gets a bad rap. And I'll be honest, man, before I got back into what I'm doing now, I was like, why would I go on LinkedIn? Like, I don't need a job. I have a job. Like, I don't have my profile even updated with a headshot. It was just blank. But now LinkedIn is people have slept on it so much where I consume a lot of my content on LinkedIn because you get, you get real content. There's no, yeah, there is some fluff. Some people just try to do some random stuff on there or or run ads on there, you know, to some extent, but then you'll really pick up an interesting article that there's no way you're finding this article on IG or on Facebook. Like it's not there obviously. So like, yeah, slept on a lot. Yeah, no, I, I mean, because like, if you go to my IG, I, I feel like you're looking for different things in different places. With yeah. Instagram, it's like all personal and fun stuff yeah. to me. Yeah. I feel like LinkedIn, yeah, it's a place you can find jobs and sure people are like advertisers trying to sell stuff. But I think there is like a lot of like just professional related content. And you know, you mentioned Gary Vee. I'm a, I'm a big fan too. And I see his stuff all the time on, on LinkedIn and various other influencers that it's, it's like, you know, it's, yeah, it's not stuff just about their life. It's stuff relating to business and the success that they had. Like I've, I've enjoyed LinkedIn for those reasons too. Yeah. You get Can't good ideas on. there. There's great ideas there. Like, you know, when Gary started posting about baseball cards being an investment again, I'm like, shit, man, I'm an eighties baby. I got millions of cards in my house. Like, are they worth anything? No. But now like you, you start to see there's stuff that trends on LinkedIn that will never make it on Facebook and IG. So I think anybody out there, like a side bit of advice, side note, like if you want to connect, like right now there's, there's, we all hit the pause button in our lives, like connect on LinkedIn and connect with people because everybody's out there bored. And these are opportunities to meet Max or meet myself or who knows, maybe you can send, you know, Gary V a message and he might respond back because he's active on there too. So like, LinkedIn, I've realized that like people come out to me, it's like, how do you know all these people? I'm, I'm like, LinkedIn, like, well, how did you do it? I'm like, I sent them a message and, you know, I introduced myself and now I know Max, you know, it's, it's, it's simple if you want to take yeah, advantage of it, That's you know, true. like there's really, there's actually some good things from social media outside of posting a selfie or trying to pick up a girl or trying to bash the government or whatever else you're trying to bash these days, you know, so I love LinkedIn, man. I, I, I'm a firm believer that LinkedIn is one of the positive networks, and you can really use it to your advantage, especially during these times, man. Amen. I'm with you. All right, man. Have a good rest of your day. I will be stopping by your office one of these days, you know, when we get our lives back. I don't know yeah, about man, a Knicks game yet. I don't know if I'm ready for these uh, big, big stadiums yet, but, you know. My uh, office is right next door, but I get you baby steps. But, yeah, I look, I look forward to that. Are you a Nick fan or no? Um, I'm you not. Know, so I, don't I, don't feel bad. Myself, I don't want to call myself a fair weather fan, but uh, it, it became really difficult to keep being a hardcore Knicks fan. Like, you know, I was an 80s baby too. Um, I think we didn't graduate uh, so far apart. We're probably four or five years apart. 
Um, so the days of like Oakley and Mason and Patrick Ewing and Alan Houston was like my hero. Like that team was so fun to watch, even though like Reggie Miller was just like Daggers. our our nemesis, <laughs> right? Or like, you know, I feel like we never even get to the Bulls, you know, yeah. the Bulls that we're watching now on the last dance, like we wouldn't even make it there because I feel like Reggie would make sure that we didn't. He always had a three in his back pocket. But I loved them, loved, watched them incessantly. And then, you know, there were just so many changes. It felt like nothing about the team besides the logo felt, you know, the logo and Spike. And then now even look what happened there recently, which put an additional sour taste. So, like, I can't say I'm a huge Knicks fan right now. Uh, I would definitely, like, be pumped if they became good again. And I keep, you know, I keep up with some of the the happenings. But um, that's my Knicks story for you. Yeah, man. All right. I'm a Met fan. I was never a Knicks fan. I just never – I actually grew up – I'm, I'm not a LeBron guy either, but I grew up, for whatever reason, a Miami Heat fan because I liked Alonzo Mourning and Tim Hardaway. So I was going against all my friends during those times, and I laughed when Reggie Miller would, would kill the Knicks or any other team. Um, grew up a Bulls fan too. Like, I love Jordan. Um, and then a Met fan. So, like – and then by default, somewhat of a Jet fan. So not good times around me either with these Mets and these Jets. So hopefully they turn around, but these organizations are kind of just – they just can't do things right, man. And Knicks are just like I respect. I respect people that stay fans, you know, through all the ups and downs. And I have a family of Mets fans, uh, and they're there through thick and thin. Yeah, Mets and, I'll know, stick with. Man. Ago, yeah, it's Mets. Mets seem like a a fun team to be a fan of. You just got to keep your expectations low. But hey, I see a lot of bright moments, um, and and some and not in the too recent recent past, um, yeah. distant past, yet. Yeah. I don't know about this J-Lo A-Rod story, but we'll see if that ever, ever turns out, man. But I appreciate your time. I know you got uh, things to do for the rest of your day, man. So I appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we'll talk soon, brother. Sounds good. Thanks again for having me.